Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Good to have you in the middle of the summer in July. And when it's hot outside, and it's kind of dark in here. And if I just talk like this for a very long period of time, you might fall asleep. And so I'm going to say, wake up. And it's good to have you. And it's great to be with you. And, and uh, man, this past week's been a great week at Life Church. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, there was 100 junior high and high school uh, students that went to camp this week. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Aren't you glad you weren't a counselor? Uh, Tammy looked at me at one point and she said, thank God we are not youth ministry anymore. And I said, amen. Whew. A lot of fun. Good times. And, uh, and so uh, anyhow, but to some good stuff that are happening. We've got student mission trips that are happening this summer. We've got a, uh, an outreach to Milwaukee where students are going to be a part of. Actually, there's youth groups from coming from around the nation that are going to come and be a part and serve in, uh, through Life Center Milwaukee right there at 56th and Burleigh. And then with the Brookfield campus because of the gymnasium and, and all the facilities that are there with the full kitchen and all that, there's going to be activities where the kids are going to be able to, to do that and to eat there. And actually, because of the shower facilities and everything, be able to hang out, sleep, do all that kind of stuff there. Again, thank God I'm not a youth pastor having sleep on the gym floor, keeping junior high kids and everybody apart. Amen. And if you are, God bless you. It's, that's really good. I'm, I'm happy for you. There's, a, there's reward. I can see some people in the back of the room uh, that are some of those wonderful, wonderful people. And if you, if you haven't had a chance, you need to go by uh, our youth pastors, Ed, Dylan, and Tori Johnson, and just say thank you. Dylan doesn't have a voice, so he can't say thank you back. Uh, and so Tori's thankful for that. But just say thank you for your kindness and, and for all that good stuff. And again, uh, just a great, great, great summer at Life Church. Today, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And uh, I'm going to just, it's another one of those messages where it's a passage of Scripture I just want to unpack. Kind of one of those overflow things. Some of this is just really beneficial for me, and I hope that it's beneficial for you, but if it's not, oh well. And so, okay, but uh, I, I think it's just good stuff from God's Word, and I hope last week really ministered to you, and I believe every week throughout the course of the summer, there's just going to be some great things that are downloaded uh, for you, for your heart that God has to say. But, but I want to talk about purpose. I don't want to talk about I, I don't want to talk about this from a, like a self-help leadership type of perspective. I want to talk about it from a, from a, a God, a DNA, uh, how he created, why he created, what's going on in your life, a type of a purpose. Uh, because here's what I know, pastoring for the amount of years that I have and being in full-time ministry is this. A lot of everybody ends up somewhere, but very few people end up somewhere on purpose. And if we're not careful, even those of us that are pretty type A, we're pretty, um, man, we're pretty driven, we're pretty focused, we're pretty, we, we will just at some point in time, if we're not careful, we'll just float along. We'll just kind of just kind of hang. And there are seasons where you need to just re release. There are seasons where you need to stress and push in. There are seasons where you need to get, get away. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these prolonged periods that are aimless. And these times where you, you can just kind of, kind of drift from what God's called you to. It, you, you lose focus. And I think even in the summertime where we're going on trips and, and we're with family and there's barbecues and there's all kinds of things that are happening and travel and maybe the kids are gone for a week to camp or they're gone for, uh, to, to a missions trip or, or whatever's going on, you may have times here and there where you're just kind of floating along in an inner tube at the lake 
or you're, you're just kind of kicking back in the backyard and just kind of you're outside, it's, it's daylight longer, and so you're just, maybe you've got a little campfire going on or something's happening or you're just whatever you're doing and you just have a little bit more time. And to just, just sit and think and kind of go, how am I doing? Where's my focus? Am I doing what God called me to do? Not as a pastor, but as a Christ follower. Am I living that out? Where's that out? Just kind of getting a pulse. I think the other thing is true as well. If we're not careful, sometimes we can almost um, overlook what God's called us to do. And we can kind of forget the significance because sometimes what you do doesn't really seem that significant to you because you do it. But to everybody else around you, it's, 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 it's vastly life-changing. It, it makes a huge difference in their world. And, and so sometimes it's just enough to sit and think, am I just staying faithful to what God's called me to? Because sometimes what we're doing doesn't feel like, man, you're doing it for a while. And man, you've been here for a while. And you, you can kind of just mail it in if you're not careful. Where, no, 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 you've got to have focus and intensity. There's got to be purpose. And so there's, there's four declarations I want to give you out of this passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 39, that I just want, I'm going to give you these four declarations. I'm going to kind of unpack this, this passage here, but I'm giving them to you because first of all, I think these are just good things to write down and maybe even to declare to yourself in your own prayer time, your own devotional time, when it's just you and God. I, I don't know if you're ever like this, but, but uh, and especially when the weather's nice, I like to walk. And so I walk and pray. I, I get real bored of my ADD. It's kind of like there's a bird. And I'm just really, I just can lose focus really fast. And so I, I keep myself going and moving and, and all of this. And so uh, I, I'll walk and I'll pray. And sometimes it's just good th- to, to, to declare these four statements that I think come right out of this passage. Sometimes it's good to declare that to other people. Because there may be people in your life, I know it's hard to imagine, but haters are gonna hate, right? So in the words of the great theologian, Taylor Swift, you gotta shake, shake, shake it off. Well, how do you do that? I think you go back to what God's word says, right? And you go back to what his word says, because here's the deal is God's word will never pass away. And God's word is always true. And regardless how you feel, God's word still stands because we are people that live by faith and not by sight, not by emotion, not by what we see, but, or how we're moved by our feelings, but by what we believe. I think these are four declarations that you may even declare to the enemy. Because there are times when Satan himself will try to come in and steal and kill and destroy. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 10. And he'll try to take away the purpose, the focus of purpose, or even the value of what God's called you to do and belittle it. And again, I love, you go right back to the word. Every time Jesus was confronted with Satan himself, he would go back to the word of God. And it is written, and it is written, and it is written. Why? Because the word of God, it's the same today, yesterday, and forever. God says of himself, I'm not a man that I would lie. You can stand on God's word. So the first declaration, then we're going to begin to kind of just unpack Romans 8, 28 through 39 is this. I believe that God has a purpose for my life. I believe that God has a purpose for my life. Do you believe that? I I believe that God has a purpose for your life. I believe everybody, there's a purpose for your life. I believe God has a purpose for my life. Look, look, Look at Romans 8, verse 28, and it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Sometimes we think that calling is just something to like that ministers or missionaries get. But no, no, no. Look, look at verse 28. We, if we love God, if we are his children, if we follow him, if we love him, so that's our own choice. It's our own decision to make. We're, we're not rock'em, sock'em robots. God doesn't control us from some cosmic joystick in the heavenlies. If, if we truly love him, then all things in our life are going to work together. And it's going to work together because we're called according to his purpose. He has a purpose for you. So verse 28 makes this purpose statement that you are called according to his purpose. And again, sometimes just knowing that, hey, there is a purpose. And maybe you don't understand what all the purpose is. Maybe you don't understand how your purpose is connected to everything else in life. And the truth of the matter is we may not get the whole enchilada this side of eternity. But we, God, has a purpose for you. So verse 29 through 30 explains how this works. He uses the word predestined. Predestined, which, which means it's speaking of the foreknowledge of God. So this, let me tell you how this big theological word works. Is that you have free moral choice. You get to choose what you want to do. You're not automated by God. God's not choosing for you. But because God has no beginning and no ending, this is going to be like a termite and a yo-yo conversation. This is going to get to be kind of confusing. Before time began, God was... And when time ceases to exist, so at the end of eternity, which is, that's a theoretical statement because eternity has no end because it's eternity. Uh, at the end of that, although there is no end of that, you understand what I'm saying? God's still there. So God, 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 is, God is at the beginning. God is in the middle. God is at the end simultaneously. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He's not finite like you and I are. He's not limited. He's infinite, which means he has no starting point or ending point. He has no height. He has no depth. He has no width. There are no degrees. Think about this. Wouldn't it be great if you had no waistline? There are no degrees that God has. There's no inches around his waist that he has to worry about. Amen. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? There's nothing because there is no circumference about God. One of the prophets in the Old Testament, God, you are so high that I can't ascend higher than you. You're, you're so low that I can't get under you. You're so wide that I can't get around. But God knows what you and I will choose. You're choosing. He just knows what you will choose. Well, let me explain this to you a little bit. So I'm a dad. I have two daughters. And when they were younger, they used to love to go to McDonald's, especially Ava. Ava would love to go to McDonald's. Ava was my little chunker chunker. I mean, she was as broad as she was tall. She had those chubby cheeks. She loved to eat like I did. So we were like BFFs. And so I would take her to McDonald's. And here's what I knew. I knew that whatever she ordered, she wasn't going to finish. So we would order it. And I would say, now listen, if we're going to order this, you need to eat this. Yep, yep, dad. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, I got it, got it, yep, yep, yep. I, I promise, I promise, yep, yep. And halfway through the hamburger, halfway through the chicken nuggets, halfway through the fries, and what I loved, my, the f best part was the ice cream cone. She never finished them, ever, which is great for me because I love ice cream. And so anyhow, she'd be like, I, well, 
She was trying to explain. I, I, I thought I could, but I can't. Well, guess what? I predestined that she would not finish what she was going to order at McDonald's. I knew it. It wasn't a rocket science. Well, I'd been there before. I, I knew that. I was there before she was here and I was here when she was over. And I, I just, I knew what was going to happen, which was awesome for me because she would go play and I would finish her food and mine. You know what I'm talking about? That's the same way with God. God, God, you and I make our own choices. We choose whether we're gonna serve him, we choose whether we're gonna worship him, we choose whether we're gonna accept him, we're gonna reject him, but he knows the foreknowledge of God. He knows what you and I will choose. So God has a purpose for your life. Understand this, God is at work in your life. Whether you feel it or you don't, God is at work in your life. God is at work divinely orchestrating everything together for your benefit. It may not feel like it in the moment. It, it may not be exciting, but God is working everything out for your good. And not everything that happens in your life is good, but everything in your life that happens can be beneficial. Woo, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. Not everything in your life may not be good. There are, there are bad things that happen to good people. But everything in your life, God can use ultimately for good. Now, again, we, we, this side of eternity, we know in part, we understand in part. The Apostle Paul says it's like looking through stained glass. We see shadows and lights and we have moments of clarity and then it's gone. So we don't get the whole thing. We, we, we don't know everything. One of the greatest theological responses you will ever get from anybody who teaches theology, who teaches God's word is, I don't know. And the longer I study, the more I'm convinced that, that God's sovereignty, which means he's got everything in control, is there. But at the same time, there are just things that are beyond my pay grade. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to be able to give you an answer. I just, I don't know. But what I do know is that God is at work in your life. And God is always for you. He's always for you. He's always working things out for you. It's, it's, it's like a, a good father. He's always, see, your identity, your future cannot be determined by a job or a title or any human achievement. If, 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 if that's the sum total of how you view yourself and how you view your purpose, what you're going to do, you're gonna wind up experiencing a grave amount of disappointment in life, possible depression in life, and, and guaranteed purposelessness in life. Because again, you and I were never created for achievement. We were created for relationship. Catch this. I've been preaching this for years, but this is something as I'm processing of the summer through this passage and, um, and doing some reading on this that's very interesting, is that achievement is what produces, not, not the achievement, that relationship is what produces a process in us. And that process is what grows and develops us and helps us become better of what, who we're supposed to be. It, help, it helps us to, 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 to become more efficient and effective at the things that God's called us to. It's iron sharp as iron, so as one man sharpens another. The achieve, it's not the achievement of life that makes you Right? It's the relationships in life. It's the people that maybe rub you the wrong way. It's the people that you have to figure out how to lead. It's the people that you have to learn how to work around. It's the negative attitudes that are all around you that you've got to learn how to navigate and how to almost swim upstream. It's in those moments that that struggle produces strength because God's working all things out for your good. See, life is very transitional. Life is very temporal. We, we don't like things to change, especially in Wisconsin. Amen. Amen. I've been eating the same fish fry for 30 years. Don't mess with it. <laughs> Amen. 
I got the same local watering holes I've been going to. Don't mess with, I, I got the same. I got this guy over here. I know this person over there. I buy my cars over here. That's the sixth Chevy I've bought in succession, the same color, bless God. And I plan on doing that till I die. I mean, it's just that, that's how we, we, we just don't like to change. But when you look at the Bible, this life is but a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And where you are today may not be where you are tomorrow. And when God begins to move things in your life for good, they can happen very quickly, sometimes more quickly than what you're even ready for. So it's really good to kind of live like Job says in the Old Testament, palms up. God gives and God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. God, what I have is yours. You want me to be here? Great. You want me to be there? Fine. You want me to do that? Well, it's just stuff. It's just things. Again, achievement is not what's important. It's relationship. Your purpose is to be like Jesus. Second thing is I will pursue God's purpose for my life. It's a second declaration. I will pursue God's purpose for my life. Verse 31, the beginning part, says, what then shall we say to these things? What are these things, the things we've just said? That all good works together, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose in Christ Jesus. What shall we say of these things? What, what are we gonna do with this? What, what, what's Paul saying to the church in Rome? He's saying, look, it's your choice. It's your choice. God, God has a purpose for your life. He declares it right there. There, there. There's a plan for your life. He declares it right there. And, and, and are you going to be on the course to try to, to try to pursue Jesus and to try to pursue the purpose that God has for your life? Or are you going to lean into him or are you going to consult him with the decisions in life? Or are you not? Again, predestination doesn't mean that, that, that you don't have a choice. It just means that God knows what you're going to choose. Didn't mean that Ava couldn't get the full Happy Meal. I just knew she's not going to eat the whole thing. Does this make sense? I just know because I'm the father. It's the same way with God the Father with us. It's a choice. So what are you going to do with this? This statement here is more about you than it is about the Lord. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. I'm going to unpack a little bit more of this in just a second. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life, but you have to decide, is that what you're going to pursue? Are you going to go after him with all your heart? Or are you going to go after him with everything that you have? Or, or is, 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 is that your desire? Because if it is, you have to understand, it's a process. It's a journey. When, when, I was, when I was in high school and trying to pursue what God wanted me to do and figure out everything, and I kind of came to this understanding that God wanted me to be in vocational ministry, and I, I went to, to college and to a small uh, private college in, in southern Missouri, I, I didn't know that it would lead to here. I didn't know where it would lead. I just knew that was the next step on the journey because God doesn't lead us in leaps. He leads us in steps. So I just take that next step. Little did I know that over that course of time, God would begin to refine my heart over those four years in order to kind of say, I really want you to be in local church. I really, this is what I'm wanting you to do. And I didn't want to do that. I just, I'd much rather just come in and preach and just See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. I just didn't. I grew up in church and I'd seen some just nasty stuff. And I just was like, man, I just don't want to. But God began to change my heart. And it was one summer at a small country church. You'll get how country this is. Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. You've never been there. The Beatles stopped once on their way to Memphis and they had this whole shrine to it. So anyhow, literally... <laughs> 
It's in this little, it's in this rice field. It's this little small country church. And it was that summer, I spent the summer interning. And it was in that summer, in that process, one of the strangest things that began to happen, God turned my heart towards pastoring in a way that had never been there. But again, it's all that process. Not, and not knowing that then God at the same time was working on Tammy's heart and, and my heart and, and was gonna bring both of us together so that when we graduated, then all of a sudden then we were gonna get married and then, we, and then just the whole journey begins to unfold. What I'm trying to say to you is it's a process, it's a journey, but I had to make a decision. Am I gonna trust God? Am I gonna do what he wants? And I'm just telling you this, I feel like I'm a pretty, I feel like I'm a pretty good Christian I feel like I love Jesus. I feel like I've got a pretty good brain, a head on my shoulders. I'm, 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 I don't make stupid decisions or I haven't at this point. I mean, I've made stupid decisions, but they haven't cost me tremendously. But I don't trust me to make life decisions. Well, who makes them? Tammy? No. Ava? No. She can't finish a Happy Meal, right? No. <laughs> who makes them? I, I have to lean to the Lord. Even coming to Wisconsin, this was never a part of the agenda. My wife married me because I was from the South and thought we would never go North. And we talked about planting churches and let's plant a church in St. Louis. Let's plant a church in, in Kansas City. And Tammy would say, no, it's too cold. It's too far North. What a joke. <laughs> At the same time, 17, almost 17 years later, I can't imagine not being here. But if I would have done it my way, I'd have messed it up. But when I choose to follow and pursue his purpose, he begins to make these things clear along the journey, not the full enchilada. Third statement, I believe nothing can stop God's purpose for my life. Nothing can stop God's purpose for my life. Check this out. Verse, the end of verse 31 through 35. If God is for us, then who can be against us? It's almost a rhetorical question. He who did not spare, speaking of God, his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also give him graciously, give us all things? And, and who shall bring up any charge against God's elect? That's us, the chosen. For it's God who justifies. And who's going to condemn Jesus Christ is the one who died, and more than that, he was raised, and who is at the right hand of God, so who indeed is interceding for us. So then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, or danger, or sword? See, if, if God gave us Jesus, he's not going to hold anything back from us. That's what he's saying. If he gave, when he gave Jesus to die on the cross for us, he gave his all. For God so loved the world that he gave. An immense amount of generosity. The most generous gift he could have. And if God's justified you and I, then who's going to stand against God? Who has no beginning, who has no end, who is perfect and right in every way? There is no equal. And if Jesus Christ died for you and paid the price for your sins, then who can stand in condemnation against you? There is no one because he who knew no sin became sin for you and I so that we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, in the words of the great theologian M.C. Hammer, you can't touch this. You know what I'm talking about? I'm on a roll today, man. <laughs> Throw a little Bob Dylan in here in a minute. Will we get the whole collection? All right. So nothing can separate you and I from God and his love. 
Nothing. This is funny to me because Christians will trust God for their eternity, but they won't trust God for the next week or, or for the promotion or for his plan. Or he'll, the parents will dedicate, stand on this platform and they'll dedicate their children unto the Lord. But when, but, but when they begin to get into that role of this is what they're gonna do with their life, they get all fretful and they wanna control the process instead of saying, no, what's God saying to you? Where are you supposed to go to college? Well, what are you supposed to do with your life? This is your life. I have my life and I have a great life. I hope your life is as good as mine. I have a great life, but, but Anna, what's God calling you to do? And Ava, what's God calling you to do? That's what you have to figure out. That's not what me has to figure out. That's what you have to figure out. You, my child, have to learn how to hear the voice of God. Why? Because the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, speaking of Jesus. And from his voice, they won't turn. So the way you view God will determine how you view everything else in your life. If you view that nothing can separate you from God, that nothing can stop God's purpose in your life, then your problems, your challenges, and even losses, they're completely, uh, be, they are completely able to be overcome. Why? Because nothing's going to stop God's purpose in your life. There's a, there's a passage in scripture, I cannot think of where it's located right off the top of my head, but it's that the call of God is, is, is beyond repentance in our life, which means that when God calls you to do something, he never lifts that. Oh, you may make mistakes, you may self-eject, but that calling never lifts in your life. Why? Because that's what he created you to do. So you have to figure out, how am I gonna get, how do I do that? You begin to walk the journey. How do I do it? One step in front of the other, one two, three, four. It's not leaps. It's not jumps. We love the miraculous. Why? Because we like for things just to change overnight. It's kind of like if you could just lay hands on me and I could hold on to my belt loops and I'd lose 20 pounds, that would be awesome. The problem is I'm going to go eat a buffet. You know what I'm talking about? So we, we love to be zapped, but, 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 but what we, we see is that there's this process, there's this journey. Fourth statement. I will serve God's purpose in my generation. Your purpose isn't just for you. I will serve God's purpose in my generation. My generation. Look at verse 37 through verse 39. Paul responds, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else. And all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because we are more than conquerors, nothing can separate us from God. Because we are more than conquerors, Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. And because we're in him, he's a conqueror. We are more than a conqueror. Why? Because we stand upon his shoulders. So because we're more than conquerors, nothing can separate us from God's love. Because we're more than conquerors, nothing can take, can take away his purpose in your life. So you have to be determined to live out whatever the purpose is that God's called you to. And to live it out in your generation, to live it out in your lifetime. God didn't, God didn't, you weren't born 300 years ago or 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. You were born now, in this moment, in this time. Why? You ever asked that question? You ever thought about, why am I born now? What, 
What am I born? What, what, why was I created? What, what, what does God have for me to do? This is it. See, see, we get all wigged out and we get surprised by things that happen, but you gotta understand God has no beginning, he has no ending. Therefore, nothing surprises God. God never is like, oh, I missed that one. I didn't see it coming. Wow, who shot JR? Remember that in the 80s? I mean, I just didn't see it coming. No, he's never caught off guard. He gets it. And he's allowing all these things to kind of tactically work. It's like being in a sailboat trying to get to the shoreline. You're having to use the wind to get there and you're having to play it. So you have to tact your way all the way into the shoreline. It's not a straight line. Wish it was. Shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That's the most efficient, effective way. The truth of the matter is it never works that way. God leads us over here, he leads us over there, but ultimately he's working all of these things out for our good. Even as Paul is writing these words, he's chained, he's in prison, and he's writing these words. Had Paul, who God used under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write most of the New Testament, if he was never imprisoned, we would not have Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, the pastoral epistles of 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. We wouldn't have most of the New, the New Testament. So something that the enemy tried to use to harm him and to hamper him, God turned around and used it for his good. And in that situation, he's actually writing what we're reading today. Because God knew Paul was too explosive, too dynamic, too hyper of a personality just to, just to sit anywhere. He was going here and there and moving left and right. And he was on the move and marching and moving. And the only way to get him to sit down long enough to write was to imprison him. So what the enemy tried to use to harm him, to keep the gospel from going forward, God used for his good. Will you use your purpose that God's called you to, to serve your generation? So God may determine the length of your life, but you will determine what you do with that length that God gives you. What will you do with that? I'm gonna close with this. I, I hope it's like David. Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried among his fathers. That's what I want them to say of me, is that I served the purpose of God for my generation and then I left. Life on purpose. I believe that God has a purpose for my life. Secondly, I believe, or I will pursue God's purpose for my life. Third, I believe that nothing can stop God's purpose for my life. And lastly, I choose and I will serve God's purpose in my generation. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I thank you today for the simplicity of your word. I thank you, God, that you know you've got it all. You've got this entire world and our life in your hands. And I pray, help us to trust you. Help us to trust that you, Lord, will be able to lead us and guide us and direct us. We trust you for eternity. Let us trust you for here and now. 
Father, I pray if we're getting off the path, I pray bring us back on. If we're, if we're restless in that purpose, I pray give us focus in that moment. God, if we need to hear your voice, speak, Holy Spirit, speak to us. John's gospel says, Holy Spirit, that you will, you will always point to Jesus and you will lead us into truth. You will walk alongside us. You'll be the one that will walk alongside and speak God's word into our life in perfect timing. I pray you do that in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.